The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So today is what we've called a point of contact service. Um, It's a service in which we release our faith and we um, um, use stuff as point of contact to where we want God to unleash his power and his miracles. You see, the the concept of of practicality has been pitched against the supernatural. So you have the practical waging war against the supernatural and the supernatural waging war against the practical. That is men, not God. Because everything you give man, by man I mean human beings, every gift God gives man, man abuses. Everything man has had, man has abused. So even when things are of God, they are abused. Because the supernatural, for instance, has been abused. We have people that don't want to have anything to do with the supernatural. They just want to be practical. You know, give us the practicality of Christianity. And and the the truth is this. There's no legitimate battle between the practical and the supernatural. With God, the two exist in one. And there's no conflict. So, because we have people that claim to believe and in the supernatural, they don't, they are practically useless, so to speak. They don't, they don't get things done. They don't want to pay the price. They don't want to work hard. We don't, people don't want to start small anymore and trust God to grow and pay the price in diligence, in setting up systems, in, in hard work. People just want to close their eyes and miracles will fall from heaven. Every time you close your eyes, a miracle falls from heaven and you don't know where it comes from. You are in the wilderness. It's called manna. It means you are in the wilderness. You've not entered the promised land, but you will enter the promised land. When you enter the promised land, God says you will till the ground. You will sow your seed and you will reap your harvest. In other words, you will perform the miracles. When you are in the wilderness, miracles happen. You're like, what happened? What was that? When you're in the promised land, you are able to repeat it. You are able to orchestrate it. You take the well from Isaac, he goes, he digs another one. When everybody is in famine, he knows how to sow and how to produce a harvest. So, because one extreme has been abusive does not mean it is illegitimate. Same thing. The practical side of Christianity is so real and is so relevant that God wants us to be practical as well as supernatural. God doesn't want us 
to be practical and not being supernatural. And God doesn't want us to be seemingly supernatural and not practical. God wants us to be both practical and God has not asked us to choose one. We should be both practical and supernatural. We should both we should operate in both the principles of Jesus and the person of Jesus. We should operate both the principle of Jesus and the person of Jesus. You see, when you operate the principles of Jesus as the practical guys, and that's it's good, you get results on earth. So it is possible for someone to be far from God and, and, and be doing the right things and be wealthy, of course. It's possible for nations to be operating the principles of Jesus and the nations are thriving while other nations are just praying, 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 following the person of Jesus, person of Jesus, but they're not operating the principle of Jesus and they are suffering. But they will go to heaven. But God has not told us to choose one. So we are going to have both. We are going to prosper on earth and we are going to inherit the kingdom of heaven in the mighty name of Jesus. So the, the principles of Jesus guarantees your prosperity on earth. The person of Jesus guarantees your access and your prosperity in heaven. So when you talk about the Christian faith, in fact, you cannot talk about being a Christian without embracing the supernatural. It, it's a misnomer. So when you have Christians that don't that deny the power of God, I mean, it's, 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 it's more like an, see, an oxymoron. It, it, it doesn't make sense. We should stop excusing lack of power. We should stop. We should be methodical, yes. But we should have systems. We should be, we should be excellent in our deliveries, yes. But we should stop excusing lack of power. If we lack power, we should go to God and fall on our faces and it will empower us. If you lack power today, you will contact the power of the Most High God in the mighty name of Jesus. You can't even begin to say you're a Christian if you don't embrace the supernatural. Why? Because the prophecies about Jesus 400 years before he was born, supernatural, and everything was accurate. The birth of Jesus, supernatural, Everything was accurate. Accurate. A virgin conceiving. That is supernatural. You believe it, don't you? It means you believe in the supernatural. Imagine you have a little girl. She just came back from university. And she says, Daddy, I'm pregnant. And you bring out your cutlass. And you sharpen it. Then you ask the question, who is the man? And she says, it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> what would you say? Now, what you, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You have to embrace the supernatural to operate as a Christian because your, the foundation of your faith is in the supernatural. Jesus walked on earth. Everywhere he went, he was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was walking on water. 
Almighty healer, heal the leper. When the cripples saw him, they started working. Everywhere he went, my God was doing. So, so Jesus would go to a place and he would not have food and he will multiply bread and fish. Supernatural. If you're a follower of Jesus, you must be open to the supernatural. You must be. Jesus' life brings the two together. In Matthew 17, Matthew 17, 24 to 27, they came to him and they said, and they went to Peter and they said to Peter, Does your, doesn't your master pay, pay tax? In other words, are you guys not practical? Are you not going to pay tax to the government? Are you not going to do the practical things? Are you just all spiritual? And Jesus said to Peter, you know what? Throw your hook. Your, the first fish you catch, there will be a gold coin in the mouth of the fish. That is supernatural provision. So Jesus took the supernatural to satisfy the practical. He blended the supernatural and the practical. There are things that will only answer to the supernatural. There are times that you've done all the practical things, but it is only except the Lord builds. There's a story. <laughs> you know, I've shared this story before. I mean, even when I want to share it, I know that some people will struggle to believe it. There was this man of God in this country that his wife came to meet him and said, there's no... The soup is going to finish today. And the man of God had anointing but didn't have money. <laughs> so the man said to his wife, as the Lord lives, this soup will not finish. Don't look inside the pot. Just be dishing it. I kid you not. They won. She was dishing out chicken. Turkey. <laughs> they too, I think they ate and ate for about 14 days or so. Then the woman could not take it anymore. Then she opened the pot, it was empty. <laughs> and the miracle stopped. <laughs> now, I know some of you don't believe that. But I do. Because I've seen God in action. Praise the name of the Lord. That is the blending. The man did not tell his wife, hey, story, 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 I can't provide. No, do something. You're a man of God. Even if your husband is not a pastor, he's a man of God. So if he's telling you stories that he doesn't have, tell him that Jesus multiplied fish. Oh, yeah, take fish. <laughs> Be like your father. <laughs> and multiply the fish. We should stop just giving excuses. We have to, you see, you know, this is 10 o'clock service, so can I just, you know, <laughs> at the other service that was really time, 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 time. You know, you know why they call Christians, at least the, the, the western part of Nigeria, Onigbago, 
You know why they call them Onigbagbo? Believers. That's believers. That's what Onigbagbo means. While we think that's a good title because we are believers, to the traditionalists, that is um, short of, not abusive, but short of, um, I don't know the word to use. Why? Because if, if, you, if you ask the people that are uh, doing all the tumokbo, all the and you tell them that they, they too, they are Onigba, but they are believers. They say, no, 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 no. That what they have is Igbo only. What these people have is the Igbo. Two different things. What is Igbo only? Confidence assurance. What is a lie? We are the one that have the Bokonli. We are the one that have the confidence assurance. We are the one as you're you going to see that <sighs> can smite the Jordan and the Jordan will part. Bottom line, they are saying their own is practical. I can make this thing work. You are believing your own. I can make my own work. But a time has come when Christians need to make their own work. Uh, uh, and we need to trans metamorphose and develop from just being believers to performers. <laughs> it's so big. It's so big. So God is saying, stop making excuses. Focus on your vision and not on your enemies. Focus on your vision. Focus on your vision and not on your enemies. Sometimes we are just enemy, fall down and die. No, no, don't worry. You just be moving. Imagine you have a train moving at high speed. Then a monkey jumps on the tracks of the, play, of the train. What's going to happen to the monkey? It's going to be crushed. Don't worry about the enemies. Don't make them your priority. Make being all that God has called you to be your priority. Make fulfilling your vision and your objective in life your priority. And any monkey that comes your path has two options. Jump out or be crushed. Do I get an amen? amen. So we explained how power is transmitted in the first uh, point of contact we had, you, you may want to get the CD or listen to it on, online. It's free. Um, it is Working of Miracles, part four. And we said that there is conduction, there's convection, there's radiation, there's charge and discharge and all that. And if you look at the story in, in first, second Kings, second Kings 2, from verse 12, second Kings 2, 12, it says, Elisha saw it. What did he see? The background is this. Elijah had said to Elisha, I am, I am, um, it was time to be taken away, for him to be taken away. And he had said, what do you want? Because Elisha had stuck 
with him, has refused to go. He, has, he had all the reasons to be angry with Elijah, but he refused to be angry. He had all the reasons to be offended, he refused to be offended. He followed through the Jordan, through Gilgal, through Jericho. You know, all the sons of the prophets were laughing at him. He stuck to Elijah. And it was time for Elijah to go. Elijah asked him, what, what do you want? And he says to him, I've been waiting for this question all my life. I just want one thing, double portion of your anointing. That's what I want. I'm not greedy. I just want, <laughs> I just want double portion of your anointing. And Elijah said, ah, you have asked for a hard thing. But you see, the fact that something is hard doesn't mean it's impossible. It's hard, but it is possible. So you've asked for it, it's tough. But I will tell you the condition. If you see me when I'm being translated, you will have it. So Elisha was looking, looking, looking. I mean, if it were you, what would you be doing? <laughs> You'd be looking, 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 looking. All of a sudden, <laughs> Elijah went up. Chariot of fire came. And verse 12 says, Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see. I see, I see, I see the chariots. I see the of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress and picked up Elijah's cloak, the jacket, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. And he translated his Igbagbo to Igbokole. Do you understand? Before, all he had was what? Belief. Now he needed to prove it to become what? So he got to the river and he struck the water with Elijah's clock and he cried out, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? It's very instructive. And the Bible says, then the river divided. No argument, no questions. Divided. And Elisha went across. You see, the truth is this. As we walk in the path of Jesus and our spiritual fathers, our mothers, our predecessors, we are bound to walk in the same grace that they walked in and even do greater works than they did. If we walk the path that they walked. That's what we see in the scriptures. Elisha took up the mantle not to be worshipped, but to be used. Unfortunately, what we have today is mantle worship. It's mantle worship. Elisha took up the mantle not to be worshipped, but to be used. As a point of contact, we struck the Jordan with the mantle as a point of contact to all the anointing Elijah was carrying times two. And the Jordan parted. Every Jordan that you strike going from this service will part for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. John 14, 12. John 14, 12. Jesus, Jesus says that I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done 
and even greater works because I am going to the Father. Psalm 145 verse 4, Psalm 145 verse 4 says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So Elijah transferred his anointing, his heritage from his generation to Elisha's generation. God expects us to be generational in our thinking. God expects us to think generationally. God expects us to live a spiritual heritage for our children, both physical and spiritual, to live a spiritual heritage for our children. When people die, they leave their money. They leave their wealth. And they leave their body. But when Elijah, it's time to go, he didn't even leave his body. He took his body, but he left his mantle. You know, many times the things that parents leave for children is a burden to them, beginning from their body. The body is a burden. They have to bury the body. The body, sometimes, some people, after seven years, they are still paying the debt of burial they did in 2010, in 2017. It's a problem. Sometimes, even the supposed wealth that they give, that parents leave for their children, is actually a burden for them. Because this wealth, I've seen wealth in a lot of cases that prevents the children from developing. So, wealth, actually, the, the muscle your father developed to acquire the wealth is pre <laughs> And it's the same way that is now preventing the son from developing the same muscles. But wealth finishes. So by the time the wealth finishes, the boy is indolent. The boy can't do anything. He has nothing. So he said, I turns to drugs, or he begins to look for what to steal, or he begins to, I mean, so the greatest thing you can hand over to the next generation is Christ. The greatest heritage is Christ. The greatest heritage is Christ. If you give your, if your children know God, I'm talking about company, not practical, spiritual, supernatural. If your children know God, there's nothing they cannot recreate. There's nothing they cannot recreate. There's nothing. And, and, and that is the, that's the, we are grateful for, my siblings and I. My mom, my grandmother, they ensured that they prayed us in. If only we knew, we know God. I, I mean, I remember back then when my, my dad passed on and, and uh, um, you know, you see all sorts of relatives show up. People that you didn't even know. And everybody wanted something. They wanted this car, they wanted this house, they wanted this property. And my mom said to them, never forget, to his senior brother, ah, your senior brother wants something that, uh, anyway. My mom said to his senior brother that, we don't want anything. And they looked.
I will give them to survive in life. And, and we've walked away with nothing. But today, <laughs> everybody is remembering that. I said, no, Dr. Bonet's son, that's supposed to be my nephew. The point is this. The point is this. The point is this. It is the spiritual heritage we got. All, every one of, there are six of us, everyone is amazing. Huge. Everyone is a giant. Why? Because a woman said, silver or gold I have none. But that which I have, I will pour into you. What are you, you know, it, it, we, we have to be careful so that we don't misplace our priorities. When you focus on the right thing, then you can be at peace. I know some of you are first generation Christians. And if you're a first generation Christian, of course, your battles are different. The dynamics of your battles are different. Everybody has battles, but the dynamics of your battles are different. A second generation Christian, we have things different. Some people have paid the price for, for them. So you see them just flying. By God's grace, I'm a third generation Christian. So some things I'm enjoying now is not because I, am, I, I know how to fast and pray. It's because my grandmother has prayed some prayers over me. And my mother has prayed some prayers. So, so those prayers are working. And it's too late to stop them. Praise the name of God. <laughs> you know, and yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I honor them for it. And it's so important for all of us. So we need to ask ourselves these three bedrock questions. The first bedrock question is, what are you living for the next generation? What are you living for your children? You may say, oh, but I, I'm not married, I don't have children. You have spiritual children. You should have spiritual children. What are you living for them? Oh, I'm married, I have only three children. No, you don't have only three children. You may have only three biological children, but God has given you a lot of spiritual children. What are you living for them? What is the heritage? What are you pouring in? What is it that if they took them from anywhere and they put them anywhere in the world, they will thrive? They will thrive. What is that thing? That, are you deliberate about it? <laughs> my, growing up, they were, the fact they were too deliberate. 6 a.m., my grandmother's bell will wake you up. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I'm like, man. There are times I've gone to hide because I didn't want to pray. <laughs> I kid you not, don't laugh at me. I went to hide. Say, oh, prayer, prayer, prayer. Uh -uh. <laughs> But they will not start until they found me out. Today, I mean, I'm grateful to God. I mean, my mom was there on um, yesterday, um, last week. So she spent the night in my house. You know, in the room she stays, sometimes 
actually went there. You know, I just stayed, stood at the door. You know, just sat down at the door. Just to hear her pray. Those people pray. Oh. They pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. Ah, but guess what? You have to pray for your next generation. I have to pray for the next generation. We have to do our own bit. What are you living? Parents don't even discipline their children anymore. They don't. And if they get disciplined, parents actually fight the people that discipline their children these days. Your child is badly behaved. They've, they've tried to put common sense in their head. Now you're fighting the people that are trying to deliver your children from destruction. Shouldn't you be happy that at least somebody is trying to deliver my children from destruction? Praise the name of the Lord. So the first question is, what am I living? The second bedrock question we need to ask ourselves is this, what has been left for me? What has been, have been left for me? What, what have I received? Because you need to know your heritage. You need to know your heritage. You need to know your heritage in God. If it is nothing, know that it is nothing. And know that you have work to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't pretend that you have something when you don't have something. Know that it is nothing. And you have something to I mean, God can start from anywhere. If you have, you need to acknowledge what you have. Because if you don't acknowledge the, the effectiveness of our giftings, Philemon 1.6, I think, it is by the acknowledgement of such gifts. You have to acknowledge that you have them. You have to acknowledge it. Imagine you have, let's use, Nara, uh, let's use currency, you have $10 billion in an account that has been willed to you, and you don't know you, you have it, and you are still living in face me and face you. As long as you don't know you have it, you cannot invest it, talk less of spend it. It's the same thing. And also, if you have inherited a negative, you should know. So some of us, the, the things we've inherited are Ogbonge stuff. Ogbonge things, they, they put it in your mouth. From their mouth to, their, to your mouth. And you know, you need to eradicate it from your life first before you can begin to fulfill your destiny in God. If you don't eradicate it, it will stand against it. And I can give you several examples. Several examples. There are people that are saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they still have Obunge qualities. It's possible to be saved, Pastor? Yes. Baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. And still have Obunge qualities? Yes. I didn't think it was possible before, but I've seen some things that I know that it is very possible. <laughs> and the salvation is original. It's not fake salvation. A man, we used to work as training back in the day. And, you know, when we got to the place of the call and the work, the twofold call, Moses, know me, Moses. A few people remember, Moses, go for me. Come on. Then, <laughs> what's in your hand, the rod, you have to lay down the rod. Bottom line, what he had, what was given to him was the capacity, very strange, to read tomorrow's newspaper today. So when he sleeps at night, they bring to him punch, 
Tribu, guy there, he'd be reading free, he was a freeloader in the spirit. <laughs> and the following day, the headline, everything correct. So he thought, ah, this is saving him some money. But you see, the devil doesn't give you anything free. It is only the Lord, the blessings of the Lord that makes rich and has no sorrows to it. So we said to him, I mean, it was said to him that you have to lay it down. And he said, okay. And he laid it down and that was the end of it. God filled him with the right spirit of prophecy. But he stopped reading newspaper. Another lady, you know, that, that was much recently, said to me after the, such uh, class that, oh, her own is that, that she says she has a third eye in this place. You know, if you don't if you don't know the supernatural, you think these things are not real. They are very real. They're just fake. Fake in the sense that they are not original. It is God that has the original. So she says she has a, a high. I say, eh. I say, what do you do with it? I say she sees pregnant women's stomach. She sees people's destiny. She can just throw a spanner in, in the works, you know. She was saved. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, so, so I said to her, okay, so what do you want to do with this? She said, you have said we should lay it down. And obviously she knows that the devil will not give her anything for free. So we prayed in my office. We withdrew the eye. Threw it away. She lost sight. That sight. That night, she was attacked, obviously, by the people from the other side. She said she didn't even know she was a part of anything. She said, but they came to attack her, so you have left us. You know, so, so she didn't even know. I said, you didn't know, but you were using the eye. <laughs> obviously, God set her free. Now, the, the point is this. What have I been given? If you've been given anything, that is not of God, lay it down. As you lay it down, God will put the right thing that will aid your destiny into your life. That's the second, that's the second question. The third question, a bedrock question. Questions. The first one is what? What am I leaving? The second question is what? What have I been left with? The third question is, what are you determined to receive? What are you determined to receive? Elisha was determined to receive the double portion. He was determined. He was laughed at. His friends laughed at him. The sons of the prophet, they said, do you know that they're taking your master away from you today? And they had a good laugh. I said, it's not your business. He was resolute, razor sharp. Even the, the Elijah was not easy on, on him. You know, Elijah <laughs> tried to, well, this is the best way I can put it. Elijah tried to trick him at least three times. Did you know that? He said, okay, wait here in uh, Gilgal. I'm going to Jericho. God is sending me on an assignment. Meanwhile, he's, he's going to heaven. He, he wants to escape. 
What does Elisha say? As long as you live and as your soul live it, I am following you, Oga. Okay? You are not. <laughs> From Gilgal, they go to Jericho. He says, Oh, wait here. God has sent me to, to Jordan. Elisha said, As surely as you live, I'm not going to leave you. And he followed him. He got to Jordan. I said, okay, wait on this side. Let me go to the other side. <laughs> I just said, okay, I'm not going anywhere. Now, is that not enough for somebody to be angry? You are going. I have served you all these years. And you are going. Should you give me my freedom? <laughs> That's a logical thing to do. Now you want to escape? And now you are trying to trick me. I don't want to say you are lying because you are a man of God, but you are tricking me. <laughs> you are saying that you are going to uh, give, you are going to, meanwhile, all you wanted to do was escape. He was too determined. What are you determined to get? What are you determined to get? What are you determined to get? That's the question. What are you determined to get? Elijah had to release the mantle. He had to. In fact, other translations painted it in a more vivid way. He was going when the boy shouted, I see you, my father, my father. The Bible says the mantle fell from his hand. The guy was, not, was going to go with it. It was like God says, Abba, leave this thing for this boy. <laughs> leave this thing for this boy. He has tried. <laughs> you know, God is a just God. You know, you know we're trained at tribe. God is a just God. Just God. So, what you get is up to you. It's up to you. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to you. It's not even up to the boss that doesn't want you to get it. Because God is what? A just God. It's up to you. It's your heart. It's all about your heart. So he fell and, and he took it. Now listen to what he said. He said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? When he smote Jordan. He doesn't ask where is Elijah? He did not ask, where is Elijah? When he met his first barrier, his first challenge, he did not say, oh, I wish Elijah were here. My master was here. This thing would have been solved. He wasn't asking for Elijah. He was asking for the Lord God of Elijah. Sometimes Elijah will not be available, but his God is available. His God is available. His God is available. You see, no matter how much Elijah, quote-unquote, loves you, he can't be everywhere with you, even if he's alive. Elijah cannot be everywhere with you, even if Elijah is alive. But his God can be everywhere with you. God can be everywhere. The God Elijah served and honored is omnipotent and omnipresent. It's everywhere. Even when Elijah, even if Elijah were alive, we may not have Elijah, but we have the Lord God of Elijah. Remember, Gehazi had Elisha. 
But Gehazi did not have the Lord God of Elisha. So the mantle did not work in his hands. Did not work. So it is not about human worship. It's about God worship. But you see, when we've walked with our predecessors and we have seen the move of God and the hand of God, we can demand where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he will show up. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So it is our duty to inquire after the God of our fathers. It's our duty. It's our duty to inquire after the God of our mothers and our grandmothers. It's our duty. It's our duty to inquire and apply him and place a demand on him. You know? A lady shared a testimony some time ago how when she, I mean, she, she gave birth to a child in, in the U.S. and they had clinically said uh, the child is, is dead. I mean, that's in the U.S. I mean, so if they say the child is dead, the child is dead. So, you know, so, and, and she said that, you know, she said to God, I mean, pastor was not around. They could, I was not in the U.S., I was in Nigeria, you know. And maybe my phone was off. Maybe I was sleeping. Maybe I was drinking fura de nunu. I don't know. You know. I was just not there, you know. But she said that, I mean, it was very, very, very powerful. That she said to God, if you are the one that has called this man, and you actually, I think that was when we were doing death to life, and you actually gave him this word, from death to life. Let this baby come back to life. They said the baby came back to life. Now, now, now. That man may just be snoozing somewhere. He's not there. But God was there. God was there. God was there. And it is our duty to place a demand on the God of our fathers. It's our duty. And we will. You know, it's your responsibility to place a demand on God's anointing. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? People were drugging Jesus, pushing him, pushing him, pushing him. Luke 8, 43, pushing him, and 44, pushing him. And this woman came and touched the helm and was healed. And they said to him, how can you say somebody touched you? And he said, somebody touched me. Why? Because everybody else were not placing a demand on it. She placed a demand and the power flowed, even without Jesus' permission. Do you know Jesus did not give the power permission to come out? The power just came out like that. Why? Because somebody demanded it. Somebody demanded it. I mean, we've thanked for all the testimonies that were shared today. Yes, testimony of, of, of someone that went... Um, from the God willing service, took an handkerchief. His mother was paralyzed in Bayelsa. You must have, you might remember him sharing his testimony himself. And he went, traveled after Chidobidae, went straight to Bayelsa, went on the water, you know, carried the handkerchief, got there, laid it on the mother. The woman paralyzed was healed. Point of contact was healed. There's another video I, I want us to, to share. This one too was shared some time ago. I mean, some of us may have forgotten or maybe um, some of us were not here. Maybe you were in a service that when it was shared, you weren't here. Let's have the video.
I want to bless the name of the Lord for who he is to me and my family. God has been faithful to us in many ways, providing for us, keeping us, sustaining us, and paying our bills. I want to bless his holy name. I'm here to testify to the glory of God for what he has done for me. It seems like a dream to me. Last year, God blessed us with a beautiful baby girl, and she was born with this eye problem. It was challenging for us as a family. We had been going to the hospital, receiving treatment, and there was no sign of healing. We were confused. We did not know what to do. During the God Will Do It Again service, I said to myself that this time around, this God Will Do It Again service is going to be for me and my family. During the point of contact service, I brought a handkerchief. The handkerchief was prayed on, and I placed it on my eye, believing God that my daughter would be healed. And to the glory of his name, God did it. I placed the handkerchief on my eye here in Lagos. My daughter in far away northern Nigeria was healed, and it was shocking for me and my family. I have never seen things like this happen before. Never. I have experienced faith in action. There is no place like God's favorite house. Any word that comes out from this altar has life in it. I bless the name of the Lord for this. I want to prophesy that in the life of my daughter, she will not die young. The affliction will not rise a second time again. That God himself will breathe upon her. She will serve God for the rest of her life. Her life will give glory to God. And I prophesy to anyone believing God for healing that God himself will touch them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts. Amen. Let's give God the glory and praise and honor and adorations. Never get old. Never, never get old. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. Acts 9, 11 and 12 says that God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were repelled. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as you deploy the point of contact today, there will be healing, there will be cleansing, there will be deliverances. Evil spirits will be expelled and repelled in the mighty name of Jesus. Moses, same thing. Exodus 1525, they go to Mara, bitter waters. Moses used a stick as a point of contact to God's power, threw it in the water, the water became sweetened. Every bitterness in your life, because of this service, will be sweetened in the mighty name of Jesus. The sons of the prophet came to Elisha and took permission from Elisha. Now that same Elisha that they were mocking, they are taking permission from him to build a bigger accommodation. In the process of felling the tree, the axe head that they borrowed, they went and sunk in the water. And in 2 Kings 6, you can write it down from 5 to 6, 2 Kings 6, 5 to 6, Elisha said to them, where did the axe head fall? And they showed him. And he took a stick and he put it at the place as a point of contact for the release of the axe head. And the Bible says the stick sunk and the axe head floated. <laughs> and he gave them the axe head. Wow. That same power is available for you today. 
Jesus healing of the blind man, same thing. John 9, 6, 7. He took sign. It's a point of contact to where man came from, the source of man that is the physical body, and applied it to his eyes, and the eyes came back again. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you today, and it will be released into your life today in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to close with this story. It was shared by um, some great man of God in this country. He said that one of his daughters was sick and practically was dying, almost dead, lifeless. And they brought her to, they called him that, this is your favorite daughter is dying, no? and he said, lie, lie, you should carry her. Lie, lie means for where? For where means <laughs> impossible, <laughs> you know? So they brought her to the church, and he told them to put her on the altar that is coming, and when he, she was, they put her lifeless on the altar, and, and he got to the altar, and he was, he said he rolled on the floor, he was praying, praying, praying that God knows she's not going to go, she's not going to go, and as soon as he felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit like oil on his head, he ran to the lady and put his hands on the lady, and the oil came down, down into his hands, and as he touches the lady, the oil receded, and he said, no, 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 no. He went back, he rolled on the floor and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. He felt the power of God. He went to the lady, laid his hands. Same thing happened. The power from his head to his shoulders, to his hands, to his fingers, to the lady, went back again. He said by the time he got there the third time, she had died on the altar in the church. It's like, God, why? And, you know, God began to tell him, in the lady's case, I think it was offense. There was somebody, she said, over my dead body, I will never forgive this person. Why would you make such a statement? Is that not a very horrible statement for a Christian to make? You see, those things, they insulate the power of God. They are like insulators. So, the powers available. The man paid the price. The power came, but the power could not enter. The power will enter into your situation today in the mighty name of Jesus. What is it for you that is an insulation? Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. What is it? You know what it is. You're like, Pastor, I need to get right back with God. I need, I need to make peace with God. 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 Talk to him. Say, can you pray with me, Pastor? Yes, I want to pray with you. I want to come back to Jesus. I used to be with God. I, I backslid, you know. I've never given my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes. Should I come forward? No. 
No, whatever you are sitting, I want to pray with you. That is me. Put up your hand now over your head quickly and we'll pray together. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. Shoot it up. Shoot it up over, over your head. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. My sister, God bless you. Keep the hands up over your head. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma. God bless you, my brother. That is me. God bless you, my sister. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand and, and talk to him. Say to him, I am coming back to you. I am coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you, Lord. I'm coming back to you, Lord. I'm coming back to you, Lord. I'm coming back to you. Anybody else? That is me. Pastor, pray with me. I'm about to pray now. Put your hands up over your head. I will, I will pray together. Dress up, let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Let's begin to say to him, Come, have your way in my life. I open my life to you. Let your power flow freely. Let your power flow freely. Let there be nothing. 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 Let there be nothing that can hold, that will hold you back in my life today. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. Oh, we can never thank you enough. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you. We ask that you make yourself real in their lives and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Okay.